you guys don't know what I'm going to say yet, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, I was just thinking about it. It's, um, it's a long weekend, okay? There's the camp up there. And I think the public holiday we have tomorrow is the eight-hour day. Am I correct? So just think about it. We actually have a no-hour day to celebrate the eight-hour day. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of interesting, but there must have been a time, I think before my time, where people didn't work eight hours, where people actually probably worked 10-hour days, I'm thinking, and they probably worked 10-hour days, six days a week. Is that right? Something like that? So, you know, work's really um, cut back enormously over the years. And yet I can actually tell you something, that this afternoon everybody would be okay, but uh, sometime tomorrow afternoon everybody's going to start thinking about the weekend's over and I've got to go back to work. Except for the people who are going to be thinking, hey, the weekend's over and I don't have a job. You know what I'm saying? But tomorrow afternoon, a lot of people are going to be thinking about going back to work and aren't necessarily going to be overly excited at that prospect. Once they get to work the next day, probably, they'll be okay. But there's something about the thought of work that really, I don't know, puts us off. Um, I was working in a company in the US and um, there was a young guy who was uh, working for us and uh, he'd uh, used up all of his holidays and all of his sick days and all of that and he came to his manager in the company and said, I'm going to be away Thursday two weeks. And his manager said, well, you don't have any holidays left. He said, I I I'm going to be sick. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm going to be sick. He said, with what? He said, I don't know yet, but <laughs> I'm going to be sick. And, um, and this guy said, well, have you got a hospital appointment or, you know, are you going in for, you know, is there something on? He goes, no, I'm just going to be sick. And of course, what happened after his work history, they basically said, you can leave today, okay? It was like third strike sort of deal. And it's kind of sad in a way, isn't it? We spend an extraordinary amount of our time at work, if we've got a job, and it can be an incredibly unsettling thing. And I think sometimes there's a real passion for people to think, somehow if I could get out of it, and somehow, you know, it would be really amazing if somebody called me up tomorrow and said, Mr. Morris, um, some um, billionaire has decided that uh, he'd like for you to have work off for the rest of your life and he's going to pay you. And, you know, somehow it's like winning the lottery. Somehow there's a sense in which we think we'd like not to be doing anything. And yet, the reality is, if you're out of work, it's really tough. And the reality for most of us, unless we're getting older or we're really infirm or something like that, that when we have all of this time, it gets to be a pretty negative thing as well. Now, this book, Simplify, really wants to talk to us about having a, a really positive attitude uh, to work. It really wants to, I guess, talk to us about moving from having this restless, uncomfortable attitude towards work to really being fulfilled at work within reason. And I say within reason because we live in a broken world. We call it here a fragile and uncertain world. But I think what we need to think about is what is God's plan in all of this? Does God have a plan? I mean, historically, 
Work is kind of like something, you know, it's over there and then you have your Christian life. You know what I'm saying? But I want to show us uh, today from the Scriptures what God's attitude is towards work and it's very positive. And I think by understanding more of God's plan for our lives when it comes to work, maybe we can find a path through some more fulfillment, okay? Let me uh, just read to you from, um, going right back to one of the earliest parts of the Bible. It's uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And it's just after God has created the world and all of the amazing universe and the animals. And then we read in verse uh, 26 following, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals, and over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You may not have thought about it a whole lot. When God created us, our forebears, mankind, man and woman, He created us with a specific purpose in mind. And we see that particularly when we look at Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our in image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. We were actually created and our purpose in creation was to rule over this world that God had created. Two things really stand out there that are extremely important. The first one is we're made in God's image. And that's so serious and so wonderful. Nothing else in all of creation is described as being in the image of God. And what does that really mean? It kind of means that when we walked by, somebody would go, hey, isn't that kind of like God walking around here? Hey, that's not God, but isn't that kind of like God? That that. That person, it's kind of like having a twin sister or a twin brother. Now, we're not God, but we're so much like God. And God created us in His image, in this incredibly important way to take care or rule over the world He created. And we may have a, a negative sense of the word rule. We may think of some despot forcing people to do. You may be thinking of your boss right now, okay? If you're the boss, maybe you're not thinking that way. But in the Bible, the word rule is a very benevolent word. It's a warm and friendly word. It's the, the word that would be used as of, of, of a loving parent who is just falling over to care for this child and to make this child's life very special. And so God, when he created this extraordinary world, and when you read earlier in Genesis, you hear the word good, 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 good. God created the best to look after the good. And we're the best. 
But in the Bible's understanding of the best, the most important are always servants. They always care. They always put other things first. And so it isn't a rule to come and destroy the world or mess it up. It's, it's a rule in the sense to take care of the world. But what do we understand from this? We were created to have a job. <laughs> okay? We were created for work. Work's important. People say you spend a, a third of your life at work. Well, if you're asleep for a third of it, <laughs> then you're probably really... In, in a conscious way, spending 50% of your time at work, something like that. And God created every one of us for this purpose. Now, work can look a, like a whole lot of different things. Uh, I mentioned the other week that, you know, when my kids were little, I was so glad I had a job to go and rest at as compared to being home. For you mums, if you're the one staying at home, I salute you, Okay. It's hard work, isn't it? Bringing up those little people. Who's ever actually had a reasonable conversation with a two-year-old? Look, I'm going to sit down and we're going to sort this thing out and you're going to go and do this and you're going to... Why? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's never-ending. You know, on my kids, I have looked everywhere. There is no place to take the batteries out. You know what I'm saying? I thought, wow, how can these guys have so much energy all of the time? I didn't have grey hair before. Kids, now I have grey hair. Okay? We were created for all different sorts of work. And, hey, can we just turn these lights up a bit for me? I can't even see how much time I've got. Okay. No, no, that's not working. Can we turn the house lights up, I mean? Okay. Is it not up there? Okay. So, um, <laughs> thanks, sign language, yeah. Um, I'll have two coffees, please. Um, so, we were all created for, for work. But in God's intention, work wasn't an onerous thing. Work was part of the wonder, okay? Work was what we were meant to do and we were meant to enjoy it. Now, I'm guessing that everybody sitting here who either has a job or has had a job is kind of just reflecting over their workplaces and going, gee, I must have got the short end of the straw or whatever it is, you know? My work doesn't sound like that. And there's a whole lot of reasons why our work may not sound like that. But what we need to understand, just to begin with, and we'll go and look at some of those issues, is that God created us to work, and that we're told in many places throughout the Bible that we're to be like Him. He's an active God. In Ephesians 5.1 we read, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. What is His example? In Psalm 121.4, we read, Indeed, the Lord who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's active in His godness all the time. And we're told to imitate Him. So I, I think the most helpful thing about moving from restlessness to fulfillment is actually understanding we were created for work. And if it's not working out so well, maybe we need to rethink how we go about work. Okay, And I am really sensitive to the fact that there are people sitting here who would love to have jobs who can't get them at the moment. Okay, and That's a whole different problem, but that is real because you guys were created for work as well. Look at uh, Genesis 1.28 with me. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea. Subdue it. 
ah, it sounds like a really pushing people around sort of thing. I think in its truest sense, it basically meant make order out of that which may be disordered. You know what I'm saying? Make order out of that which is disordered. We're here to organize the earth for God. And we're here to organize the world through work. You know, our, um, our politicians can actually take time off. Um, we could actually have all of our politicians um, have heart attacks and be under surgery. And you and I would still go about our jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Places actually work pretty well. I'm not saying they're not necessary, but you know what I'm saying? It's actually the people who work and organize things that make the world go round. That's how important it really is. And that's God's plan that we organize, we subdue, and we rule in this benevolent way. Now, as you're thinking about your job, and, you, and, and there's probably a sense in which you're going, but he doesn't know where I work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You probably do. He doesn't know where I work. I want to read you a scripture that I think takes this concept of working in this broken world and turns it upside down and energizes it. And it's something that we need to take on board earnestly because there's a misunderstanding, certainly one that I've had at times, but some passages in Scripture rectify this. These are powerful words from Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Doesn't that change everything? When we go to work, we look at our jobs. Some of them may not seem that important. In fact, some of them may seem the opposite of important. Some of them may seem, gee, I wonder if this makes a difference in any way, shape or form. You may think about your experience at work and think, they don't really care about me here. They could maybe fire me as quickly <laughs> as I could blink. Or maybe you're an employer who feels like you're working hard, you're providing work for, your, for all of these people, and they don't care less, they're taking sickies and they're doing this. You know, it's kind of a bit of a mess, isn't it, our world? doesn't matter which part you fit in, you're always kind of looking at the other part and thinking, what's the other part up to? It's kind of how it works in a broken world. But what this is telling us is that there is a level of significance in whatever we do. And that you may think you're working for Attila the Hun, who treats you just terribly at times, who doesn't respect what you do, who doesn't, in a sense, pay you fairly, who doesn't acknowledge the responsibility, doesn't even treat you civilly at times. But the mistake all of us could have made is thinking that we actually work for that person and we don't. We may be legally employed by them, but Scripture wants us to understand that whatever we do, we need to work at it with all of our heart because fundamentally this is God's world. He created us for jobs in the world and ultimately He's the big employer. And I want to encourage you. There are things I'm going to say in a moment where, you know, uh, we, we, we really can simplify things and... Uh, and improve our jobs possibly. But ultimately, we need 
to be trusting in the Lord and taking these things to prayer. Now, Ben mentioned we, we have a prayer night. It's actually a praise and prayer night. In fact, there's more praise than there's prayer. The prayer is going on through the praise here uh, Wednesday night, 7.30. And it'd be a great opportunity to come along and just, there's nothing expected of you. Nobody is going to even ask you to get up and pray aloud, anything like that. It's just a time with lots of wonderful Christian praise music, gentle music to come before the Lord. But what I want to say is that to revolutionise our thinking about the workplace, we need to go to that war room and pray. We do the 20 minutes in the chair every day, which is reading our Bibles. Be very prayerful about that. But this, this time that we have, these 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week or whatever they are, a significant chunk of your life and God is concerned how we use them and we need to believe that God is concerned about how we use them and we need to be resting upon the Lord for how we use them. Take opportunities as long as you are able. You know, there's, in a workplace, there are rules about what you can say, what you can't say and you, you have to heed those to some greater or lesser extent. I mean, generally speaking, if you work in a shoe shop, standing up on the chair and giving an evangelistic address on Monday morning may not be the way to go. This Monday morning will be fine because nobody's there. But um, you probably can't get in. But, you know, we have to work within the system. We, we have to find ways to be Christians in there. But if you are the Christ bearer in your workplace, boy, you can be extraordinarily significant by being careful, caring and loving and generous if you are working for Attila the Hun or Attila the Hunet, okay, pray for them. I, I had a job when I was first out of school. I, I grew up in a boarding school, so I, I, the thought of going to university absolutely drove me insane. So I said, I'm never going. Well, I didn't. I became a pastor and all of that. But while I was still saying I'm never going, I ended up working in, uh, in, in a restaurant. And um, the husband and wife who ran it were, were actually lovely people, but not at work. And... Uh, she, she ran the kitchen, he ran the restaurant, and they used to actually have stand-up fights sometimes. And one of the big stand-up fights they had was over me because he hired me and didn't tell her. And so I became the object of their war where she was doing everything to fire me and he wouldn't let her. And I used to come home from work and go, I need this like a hole in the head. This was shocking. And I'd go home at night, and during this period, I became a Christian. They drove me to it. And... Um, <laughs> That's not true, but you, you know, I got pretty desperate and I became a Christian. And um, one of the first things I actually did as a Christian was I started praying for this lady, okay? I started praying for her. When, when I first became a Christian, prayer was the strangest thing in the world. You know, it was kind of like, you just talk, it, was, it, it took a while to sort of get it, but I started praying for her. And when I eventually left there to go to uni to study to eventually become a pastor, she cried. They were tears of sadness, I should add. It <laughs> wasn't, thank God, he's gone. But she changed. She changed. And I believe I had a role as a Christian in that workplace of bringing some love, even though I was still a teenage kid and making mistakes and all the rest of it. But you see what I'm saying? That we can have extraordinary significance because God made people to work in restaurants, believe it or not. 
and to be caring for the people that come in and to be caring for their employers and to be working hard and to be making a difference in our world that way. You can be a Christian everywhere and anywhere. You may not be able to do exactly what you think you should do and exactly what you want to do, but we take Christ with us everywhere and we can radicalize our workplace and when we look at it from the right perspective, we can go, wow, this is extraordinary. I can make a contribution in this place even though people don't think I'm important and whatever. Let's just see the next slide. I'm going to just talk through a number of things quickly just to put this into some perspective. Basically, we will spend one-third of our lives at work. What are you going to do with one-third of your life? You're going to whine, whinge? Gee, it makes a long day. Gee, when you turn up at work at 9 or 8.30 or whenever it is and you think you're going to have a bad day, boy, the bad day can be long if you pursue it. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? But on the other hand, we need to understand how that a satisfying job can simplify our lives and give us energy, peace and self-confidence. Now, that may not be the perfect job, and I'll talk about that in a sec, but a lot of it's about our attitude. It really is. If I know that I'm here serving Christ, then it kind of doesn't matter where I am to some extent, okay? That's what I've got to get into my brain. That's what we have to get into our brains. That's the truth. Because all of the earth is God's, not just church buildings, okay? What we need to do is find ways as much as possible to bring our jobs into alignment. And there are five key principles of alignment that I'm just quickly going to go through now. These are all in the book Simplify, a lot of practical sense. God's created us to work. What are some of the helpful things we can be doing in our workplaces? Well, firstly, passion. How will you find a job you will love so much that it actually simplifies your life? Well, find out what you're passionate about. Now, in a place where there are sort of more people looking for jobs and less jobs, this is a harder one. But realistically, we have to sit down and, and think pretty much about what is it that excites me about life? What are the sort of things I'm excited about? Now, you know, I, we heard that guy from the movie before about baptizing cats. That's probably not what you want to do for a job, right? That'd be very frustrating. But just have a, a think about who you are before yourself, before God, and try to go after something that you think it's really you. My son, who isn't here today, he really got into athletics and whatever. He's not going to the Olympics. He's a really good athlete, but he's not going to the Olympics, at least not as a competitor. So he kind of found a job in exercise physiology that allows him to take this passionate thing and take it into the workplace. I salute him not here today, he's in Melbourne with his fiance's family, isn't that great? I think they're, they're very nice people, I should add. Um, that's what we've got to do, find something we're passionate about, because you're going to enjoy work so much more if it's something you're excited about, okay? Equally, you want to try to find a healthy work culture. And what I mean by that is that if you hear a business is always, um, you know, just terrible to their employees and awful to their employees, well, if you, can, if, you, if you can find a way around it, don't go there. Unless, of course, the Lord says to you, this is where you need to be. There's no great virtue in just getting beaten up for no reason unless you have a real conviction that God wants you to go to that place. I heard a missionary many, many years ago, it was in 1982, I think, 
basically saying, you think you can't preach the gospel in Iran? She said, oh yeah, you can. If you can get a plane, you can go to Iran, you can preach the gospel. You'll probably never get out again, but <laughs> there are places you can go and do things, but they do have consequences and difficulty. So try to find a workplace that you believe is, is, a, is a reasonable and fair workplace because that's going to make your job so much more enjoyable. Challenge number three. All of us need to try to find a job that actually stretches us some. If you've got a job where you don't feel stretched at all, it will be boredom. And an eight-hour day when you've got boredom is like six years. You know what I'm saying? It goes on forever. So we need to find a job where we have not under-challenge, not even appropriately challenged. You want something, if you can, that you believe will stretch you just a little bit more each day. Because then you'll grow, and then you can maybe move on to something even more interesting. They call it appropriately challenged plus. Compensation's the big thing. Who earns enough money here? Yeah, I didn't think so, me either. Uh, <laughs> I've never met anybody in my whole life who earns enough money. I've met guys who have hundreds of millions of dollars. They'd still like to earn more too, by the way, okay? So what is it about us and money? Should we chase the money? Look, here's the reality. I think we need to find a job where we're best suited to. But equally, we live in the real world where our money is important. So we need to find that balance. Get a job and you can't pay your bills is very difficult. Maybe the Lord wants you to be there and you're going to trust Him that way. But try to find a job. Just don't chase after money. I, um, I, I went to a private school in Sydney. and Everybody I went to school with was a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. I went to a school reunion. 30 years on, they all hate their jobs. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? 30 years in. I was the only one that liked my job. I was broke, but I liked it. You know what I'm saying? And they're all living in these lovely fancy houses and whatever. And, you know, you've got to find a balance here. Something you enjoy, and theoretically, with the best compensation you can get. Look after your family, give to the church, be generous to other people. That's important. Most important in all of this, though, is to take time to pray. If God has created each one of us to work, and if you believe in a God where there are no accidents, you know what I'm saying? You believe in a God who has created each of us for a purpose and who knows each one of us personally, then how important is it to stop and ask that God, where do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be spending my time with? Who do you want me to be influencing? And I, I want to tell you, I've made a career of taking some interesting jobs. I really have. I went and took a job once that was a guaranteed suicide sort of job. Um, I lasted six years, which I thought was pretty cool. And I, I stayed there because I knew God specifically wanted me to be in that place. And some of the things I learned from that experience radically changed my life. Well, Jesus took a suicide job, if you want to put it that way as well, didn't he? God wants us in some of the most interesting and strange places at times. And so, at the very basis of all of this about what should I be doing, 
The first job any of us have is to get on our knees and pray. And say, Lord, do you want me to be where I am? Or is there, is there something else? And what, what would it look like? Don't be surprised if you pray that prayer that some pretty interesting things start happening. I had um, I was out of ministry for a while when I was living in Queensland. This is like 20 plus years ago now. And um, uh, some two guys came over and uh, I was working in this business. And I, I was pretty sure they came over for this business. And, and they said to me, no, we would like you to be the pastor of our church. And I said in the nicest way possible, do I look like an idiot? Do you think I'd run your church? I kind of put some very Christian words to it. Because they had, church had just had this massive split and there were all sorts of problems. And oh. So you know what they said to me? This is so underhanded. They said, would you pray about it? Oh, why? And my wife said, yes, we will. So we went and prayed about it. And we went to that church. And with all of those problems, it's one of the most extraordinary periods of my life. Logically, never. But from, from prayer, from listening to God, we went there and we were extraordinarily blessed. We can all move from being restless to fulfilled if we know that we're working for God no matter what we're doing. If we're willing to be directed to where he wants us to be. But equally to understand there are just times where we're going to be in somewhat seemingly dry places. But look for the reason why God has got you there. And even if you can't see it, be the sort of person that God would have you being in that place. And you do not know the extraordinary way that you can change lives by just being simply the Christ bearer in that place. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this gift of life. And at times, Lord, we feel frustrated. At times, we feel overwhelmed. At times, Lord, we feel very reluctant to get out of bed and start a new day. Yet, Lord, just invigorate our thinking so that we realize who we are. We are your crown of creation. You have called us. You have gifted us. You have put your Holy Spirit in us. And you are available for us. So Lord, help us to go where you want us to go. To be those faithful people that you have saved us to be. Give us that freedom, Lord, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen.